You think this is inappropriate for the boat? When Tom Hanks dances his way into Meg Ryan's heart. Stop right there! I love you! It's an island of laughter. In an ocean of love. You want to marry her? Yeah. You want to marry him? Yes. You're married. Joe versus the Volcano. Rated PG. Now playing at a theater near you. I think Tom Hanks should be in like. Why is he in like just an, an amazing action film? Like, why did we never see him kicking someone's ass? Like, we never did, did we? Like nothing. No, I understand I mean, he's an everyman. He doesn't have to play those. What roles, was the but... closest thing to an action movie that he did though? Private was... Ryan. Well, yes. you're right. Private yeah, Ryan. He yeah. murdered some fools in that fucking movie. All right. <laughs> Besides Private Ryan, <laughs> action movies. No, I Greyhound. Greyhound recently. If you didn't see that, it's worth a watch. I didn't see it, and I want to. Uh, what about Captain Phillips? No, no action. action. There's action elements. Not with him. There. That's a lot of. Well, yeah. I mean, he's not intense. Tom Clancy, like walking. Like he's not. He's I want to see Jack Hanks Ryan with a gun, gun you know, shirtless, drawn. running through. Well, fire, yeah, that's probably. I think that's telling only people get happen. down, get down, get down, get down. You know, yeah. like heat. Die Hard. Can you see imagine, imagine Hanks and Die Hard? Come out to the coast. It'll be a good time. Whatever he says in the fucking... <laughs> um, yeah, I guess yeah, Private Ryan's probably the closest thing then. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe Hanks starring in Speed. Oh, yeah. He no. should have passed Forrest Gump and taken Speed. Can't replace Keanu. Hanks could have. Tom and Sandy. Hanks together. would have been more of the Jeff Daniels role anyway in that one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's uh, David's second favorite uh, holiday of the year approaching us rapidly here at Reconcinimation. Welcome back. I am John Diner. I'm David Munchak. I'm Brent Hutchins. And we are continuing our journey towards Thanksgiving 2021 with a very special look at Mr. Tom Hanks, and we call it around here to Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Woo! Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Happy Turkey Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. We're uh, last week we took a look back at the money pit, and we are going to continue straight down uh, the career of Tom Hanks. We are picking select uh, films from his his uh, his body of work, his huge body of work, and we're we're checking out. Uh, like our podcast and our show does, uh, we're looking at if it holds up, uh, if it holds up today or if it doesn't. And oh, it does. A, a big it one does. today. I'm starting it right now. Oh. It does. Well, the wait, discussion wait, begins. wait, before we get there, though, David, we got to know how are the decorations coming around Recon Cinema Studios? How is the Turk? How are the turkey? Uh, you know the turkey hunt progressing. What's happening? Where oh, big, big, big progress on the uh, the turkeys. We we wrapped about two hundred and fifty live turkeys running around the lot. Got we I got a lead on some some turkeys in uh, in Canada that I uh, so we Canadian. Yeah, we got the visas all taken care of. And, Canuck ducks. Uh, and Canuck got them ducks. in. Yeah. Um, Got them on trucks. Got them down here. So yeah, the 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 lot is running wild with turkey feathers. 
uh just all over the place it's great it's it's it, the, the crisp cool november air is just permeates i've got i've got leaves crunching i've got I've homemade got, those are homemade handcrafted leaves you've done yeah. one by one right yeah yeah i uh i i 3d print leaves at home and paint them and then I cost bring them. efficient yeah yeah no exactly uh, i'm not gonna go to a a, a print house for a that tree I'm not going to go to a tree. Why would you go to a tree? <laughs> and Pay then, for uh, tr- tree leaves. <laughs> and then, of course, we've got the the pumpkin spice odor blasted throughout the lot. So all you smell is pumpkin spice yeah. air. And uh, and of course, all the the actors and actresses I hired to play like couples in in heavier winter coats, just walking and enjoying each other's company, like it's the, a park and it's autumn fall. color scarves and whatnot. Oh yeah, plenty. Yeah, uh, just work in the holiday or working this season and it's just you know it just feels like a a wonderful fall day yeah, there's every day. there's 85 a and yeah go ahead brent i said except it's 85 degrees and <laughs> smoggy yeah. but yeah yeah it's acting it's acting we have a line yeah. item in the budget for recon cinema studios for extras just to be around the lot we just need yeah. you know, to, to create the energy and the feeling. So fill out the background. Exactly. That's yeah. what they do. So I make sure I get vaccinated people only uh, to come in their heaviest coats. They're not allowed to take it off after they can't take the coat off. If they're outdoors, kind of mm-hmm. like a Disney thing, you know, you don't can't remove the head of the, the costumes, you know, yeah. uh, same thing. So even if it's boiling hot, you know, go take your 15, deal, deal with it. Just, you're, getting get, your, you know, you're getting your union minimum. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, decorations are going well. Good. Well, we we got to have that progressing for it to feel like uh, Thanksgiving and to Hanksgiving around here. We've got a lot of the 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 big head. What are those called? The um the fat head. The fat uh, head uh, cutouts of oh of of, of of Mr. Tom Hanks yeah. all over the studio, yeah. all over the place of um, all eras. So we've got you know early eighties with the big curly hair. Mm-hmm. you know the bosom buddies look then yep, we've got yep. the late 80s with the more straightforward kind of haircut into yep. your philadelphia forrest gump era and High then and tight exactly yeah and then older more uh you know grizzled veteran kind of look with uh more modern hanks distinguished yeah. distinguished yes and then uh, if you can find the turkeys wearing the the Tom Hanks masks, uh, you win a prize. So you know there's there's a there's a couple of couple of turkeys with a a paper cutout of his face, and I've I've they are stuck to these turkeys. Gobble and, gobble. Yeah, so <laughs> you better you, find them soon because those are the ones we're we're eating. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's the turkey that's going inside the duck. That's going inside the chicken. Do I have that backwards? Turducken. Yeah. Tom Duckin. Uh, the turkey's the outermost. Turkey, part, right? turkey, ducky, the, chicken, yeah, man. you're right. Turkey, chicken, duck, turkey, pigeon, ducky, chicken, and pigeon, Hamster. squirrel. I mean, throw whatever you want in there. Yeah. Yum well, yum. Well, you know, we uh, we've had a great time. Last week we looked at the money pit, and today this episode is going to be uh, co-titled the great hanks debate of 2021 at recon cinema studios the the day there's no debate john lines were drawn and (laughs) things were said and will never be forgiven as we break down joe versus the volcano this is going to be the great awakening for you 
<laughs> the Great Awakening. Yeah, damn right. More like a snooze. This debate is this debate awakening. has gone. This debate has been brewing since college. This is a, this is a debate. What twenty four? Since you years first the uttered the words to me that Joe versus the volcano is a garbage movie. Garbage movie. Oh, I have been preparing to shame you that's, on Reconsidimation Podcast. No, just kidding. But I'm <laughs> excited to talk about this because I feel completely different. I think this movie is way underrated and totally overlooked and has so much depth to it that I'm very excited to talk about it today. It's, it's interesting because this is a very polarizing movie that there are lovers of this movie and then there are vehement you know deniers of this movie who, who just can't stand i only it. know one <laughs> john really i only know one we can pull the studio lot right now david let's get an intern on that okay start, start a... the polling let's do it uh, shasta can you go run around with a notebook <laughs> and just pull uh thumbs up thumbs down yep yeah all right great yeah, right, she's gonna go. Okay, good, good. All right, we'll, we'll have the results at the end of the show. <laughs> um, all right, well, let's let's do our standard. Uh, when was the first time you guys saw Joe versus the volcano? Of course, Brent, let's start with you. Uh, did you catch it in the theaters or was that a home video viewing? I saw this one in the theaters for sure. It was nice. uh, it was a nice. family viewing, if I remember correctly. Mm. Uh, the whole family went to go check this one out, and I loved it immediately loved it but for different reasons than why i like it now like totally missed a lot of the different themes and whatnot that we'll talk about today but mm-hmm. uh enjoyed it quite a bit just even then did Whimsy. you leave the do you leave the theater with that you know just being so fulfilled and loving life uh after the movie i just thought it was fun you know like it's kind of goofy it's not normal you know it's like very um what's what's a good way to you know like it, it it's a very roundabout way to tell the story and i think that it, it you know like it's it's great it's not straightforward it's not your typical kind of uh love story that that hollywood is spewing out at, at that time you know like it was uh kind of a very different look i thought it was pretty neat myself but we'll talk more sure sure is different sure is very different <laughs> Uh, David, what about you? Did you catch this uh, back then or more recently? I feel like it, I think I ended up having to rent this at a certain point or watch it on HBO or something. I don't think I caught it in the theater, um, but it was back then. It was within a year of it coming out. I, th- I feel like it's funny because I've definitely gone to the movies with my family as a kid. I can't tell you one goddamn movie I have ever seen with them, <laughs> <laughs> except for The Burbs, which is a Tom Hanks Another movie. Another Tom Hanks movie. Hey. And I remember not liking that at all, but um, yeah, I didn't, I wasn't like a lover of the burbs either when it first, yeah, same. Yeah. I I haven't gone back to it. So I, I, I'd be interested to give it another try. Um, But that uh, literally, I can't, I can't remember movies I've seen with my family. We didn't go that often. Uh, Mm. I might go with my dad or I'd go with my brothers and my sister or my sister, but like not as like a family family anyway, because I had three siblings. So, you know, to wrangle us all up, a lot it's a lot it's a lot it's a lot it's a that's a big night at the movies it's a lot of it's a lot of movie checks anyway i'm pretty sure i didn't see this until uh it was a a home video uh viewing and uh i liked it quite a bit and uh and then i 
and I, I think it probably was on TV once in a while, but I wouldn't necessarily be rushing to watch it. Um, and you know, I'm, and until I viewed it recently, I didn't realize like Meg Ryan plays three different parts in the movie. Like I thought it was the same character from that he was talking to in the beginning of the movie. I thought it was the same person. Uh, so lots of weird, funny, little odd things about this film charmed the pants off me uh, on this on this recent viewing. So you know, just putting a little notch in the pole. I'm just saying. <laughs> there, well, one already, on side. I told I gave, already gave shots to my thumbs up. So okay, that was the yeah. Well, let me yeah. get rid of mine. I don't want redundant counts. I want this to be fair. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> just just be honest. Yes. Uh, let's see. Well, you, Johnny. I, I I remember that my first memories of this is in Premiere magazine. I remember when my dad got the subscription for Premiere, and that was like, you know, yeah. this was all pre-internet. So finding out about you know the behind-the-scenes stuff for movies, and uh, some of which was like really far in advance, some was more closer to releases. Was was very uh, it was a novel idea at the time, and this is even I think prior to entertainment weekly. So premiere was like once a month right. magazine and was a, like a, a really well put together magazine. But I remember seeing like certain movie posters in that magazine. And this was one of those that jumped out of like, Oh, this looks like a great movie. Um, now looking at it, I'm like, this poster is like the same as field of dreams. They're like almost the same poster with the moon in the background. Just the the style also, of the, also a great movie. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> the but just the style of the poster of like you know stars standing in front of the moon with kind of the the location and the back like you know smaller in the background. Uh, that uh, I don't know. I, it's a great poster. It's a great poster style. I don't think. Field of Dreams wasn't a Drew Struzan poster, right? Or was it? No, no. Uh, it was a picture, right? It wasn't it's just like him a with drawing. a bat, right? Yeah. No, he's over. The, he's holding the bat with the moon behind him and the in field. Front of, in front it's of the field. F- yeah. yeah, that's a photograph. Yeah, that's a Photoshop. If I ever saw one, it's a photograph of, uh, of Costner. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So I love the poster. I saw the movie on home video. Didn't see it in the theater. Maybe that factors in here, but. Uh, Saw it on home video somewhere in 91 with my friend Eamon, who's a a loyal listener of this show. Uh, I did not love it at all. Like I was completely confused by the movie. It wasn't what I was expecting at all. Uh, So I was not a fan of it. Going into college where Brent and I met and this film came up where we got into uh, conversation conversation a dragged out conversation this <laughs> fight but i <sighs> never gave it i never gave it a rewatch until now and my opinion has not changed at all oh, <laughs> hasn't changed goodness. at all it's insane I, I need to know more about why you don't like this movie so that i can I, I can have this conversation with you. The, please, right. please explain. 11-year-old you and your age you now would ha- should have different reasons at least yeah, for not I liking think, it. But, I, I mean, uh, I feel like anybody who's had a shitty job or been stuck in any kind of crappy situation uh, where they felt like they couldn't get out of it should at least enjoy this movie on some level. But you you seem to not in, like it 
at all. No, the, you know what? I will say watching it this time, there's definitely more that I got. Like, like I understood the movie better this time. It didn't mean I enjoyed it or like had a good time watching it, but I would say that I, it made a little more sense to me. Like, I mean, we'll just get into it right now, but Let's I, go. I really, the, the opening is so kind of jarring. I really kind of liked that, uh, sort of Brazil style, like really depressing, absolutely beginning to the movie and setting the tone of, but it, the problem, the problem I have is it's, it completely does this gear shift and it does, it doesn't, it just doesn't feel right to me. It's such a massive change in, in tone. And I get that that's the story and his character as he's changing, but it just, it doesn't sit well with me. Um, I think they did a good job of portraying the the dreariness and the like dull staleness of his life in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But it's so it just feels like two completely separate movies. It doesn't feel fluid to me at all. Well, okay, absolutely. <laughs> Let's get into it. So the oh. opening of the movie for sure, like, is all about setting up the tone of of where he is currently in his life, right? Which is. Right you know, this soul sucking, like he's literally fighting for his soul. Everything about that opening is, is about him, like losing his life to his current situation. Right. Like, I mean, there's so many different references to it. Like is the soul of his shoe falling off the, mm-hmm. uh, what is it? The name of the song is 16 tons or whatever, where he's yeah. talking about selling his soul to the company's store. You know, I mean, there's, there's conversations after he gets back from the doctor where he's talking about, the light sucking the juice out of his eyes. And there's tons of, you know, there's tons of cultures who feel like your soul lives in your eyes. You know I mean? It, the references there are huge. Right. And mm-hmm. then he gets the news that he's going to die. Like, right. The, the entire opening is setting us up to understand that basically his headspace is that he's afraid of death. He's afraid to make any big Changes. kind of, changes yeah. you know he's he's selling his life for three hundred dollars a week you know and now that he has such little time left he's like i'm quitting that job and a, and that starts this transformation for him right like i mean it's very small but you see it in the in the production value of of the movie it goes from this gray like i mean it, it's initially introduced in the doctor's office with all the like warm mahoganies and things like that. But then it carries on outside when he's like on the, on the ferry with Didi going through and you see all the different, like kind of what is, what's a good term. I heard someone use a term like kind of magical reality Mm -hmm. sets in. Right. So it's got, it's got the different colors happening in the gels. When you pull up in front of his, his apartment, there's all these different kind of, gels and things and i mean you you have to remember at the very beginning of the movie the first thing they do is like once upon a time like this is a fairy tale you know like you're about to go on a journey like it's gonna have different twists and turns than your normal story right like it's not gonna be straightforward like there's gonna be fantastical elements and i think that the wait that's what once upon a time means that there's automatically gonna be all that it's a fairy tale, right? Like you hear it in the music and, and the fact that like the first time you start to see color is when you see his, his lamp, right? 
Like they're already like mm-hmm. planting seeds that we're going to see a much more colorful. There's going to be a much more colorful experience, you know, like it's foreshadowing. So like they're just progressing into that part of the story. Right. So like, yeah. to me, it seems like a natural transition to go from this like soul sucking gray, green UV light, you know, you're fighting for your soul. Like anybody who's been stuck in a shitty job understands like what it's like to feel the pain and grind of a nine to five to not having that. That's and like, having we all, kind of like, we all felt that. And that's why we uh, all left our jobs and started Recon Cinema Studios. Damn right. <laughs> so, but like, to me, that's all like, I feel like it, it, it contributes and like builds into the story, you know, like I, I feel like each kind of, stage that we go through kind of continues to build on that you know and and i mean there's other like obviously like very fantasy driven elements kind of woven throughout but like this isn't gonna be your normal kind of story you have to have that suspension of disbelief because it is not your it's not a straight love story it's not a straight romantic comedy like it's very rooted in fantasy and fairy tale and I think it, I think it all kind of feeds into that. Yeah. I, well, I see, I totally hear and see what you're, what you're saying, but it just, it doesn't make it feel any better to me understanding all that. Like it's, it's still, um, it's so on the, like, it feels very on the nose. It feels very obvious that that's what they're, they're sort of shoving it down your throat with all of those references and all those points because it's pretty clear like you don't have to i don't know maybe it's just me that i i sometimes appreciate more subtle takes on it but it's so obvious with all of the lighting and his makeup and everything that he's saying and all those references i I felt like it's just like okay we get it you know like we know and and it's obvious what's going to happen but um I understand what you're saying. And I don't think there's, I don't think there's anything. Uh, I don't think that's necessarily like a bad choice to do that. I think that's fine. Um, that's just, I don't know. That's just how it felt to me. It was too obvious. I mean, go ahead, David. I know. Well, I was going to say, I, uh, you know, seeing it all and all of that. And it's very, obvious. what, it, what I think the movie lacks is it not going far enough with the sort yeah. of, obvious fantasy elements like making a lit like it does lack a bit of surreality like in the beginning you you, you're in a certain world with him and then you know his world starts to open up and becomes more vibrant but like it almost needed i feel like it almost like the 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 real reality of of you know now post-diagnosis i felt like that needed to get more a little more fantastical um like I, i i wanted to see more you know obvious you know like the light, you know, like the, the skyline lighting, you know, and then the, the apartments and the, the, like, you know, just like, here's something visually obvious. I wanted to, I would have thought we'd see even more of that. Not, to, I'm not saying this is a, it's not a point against it for yeah. me because it works. It all works for me, but I was like, it almost needed to go a little further. But I um, think it, I think it's a ramp up, right? Like, yeah. I mean, it's, it, that's, like it can't be as blunt as like Wizard of Oz where it goes from like black and white to color, right? Because then you have like nowhere further to go. That's so, a terrible movie, by the way. That's fine. I'm it just can be terrible. Just kidding. The Wiz? Just kidding. But the Wiz? Uh, the Wiz is <laughs> the Wiz. 
Um, worked but I mean, much like, better in the Wiz than the original. But at this point in the movie, like when we're seeing that stuff, like he doesn't even know what he's doing, right? Like yeah, yeah. he just quit his job. He we don't we know he has no money. He has no aim. Like uh, Mr. Uh, whatever, uh, great Dan Hedaya. No, the Lloyd Bridges character. Like oh, he yeah. hasn't even. He hasn't even come to visit him yet. You know what I mean? Like, so it's just the beginning of something different, but we don't know where that is going to take us yet. And I mean, this movie's not about subtle, subtle, like clues. Like, I mean, just there's several themes in the movie. Like the lightning bolt is one, like it's not subtle at all. Like there's the very jagged road that they're like walking like zombies on. That's, you know, the, the emblem of the, of the, the studio, but that lightning bolt is like all throughout and it's not subtle. Like it's there when, when the boat gets struck with lightning, it's there when he's walking up the path to the volcano. Like it, it, it's very like slap you in the face. This is bad. Here's bad stuff, you know, but yeah, you know, like his crappy apartment had the wall. Yeah, exactly. Apart. I mean, the, I'm the, like, like, why did he do that in the logo of his? <laughs> of his yeah, it's awesome. Job. But like That's those, weird. like that kind of stuff, you know, like it's it's hidden throughout the entire yeah. movie, you know, and like yeah. it's I don't like those kind of like themes and those nuances and those little things. Like, I I they don't throw me off, you know. I I find them kind of fun little Easter eggs, mm-hmm. and and it's not a subtle movie. You're right. Like it's not going to be a subtle movie but i feel like that's all obviously the decision you know like that's they're they're not trying to be subtle right right no that's clearly they're not yeah like and and it works as a like you said a fairy tale i mean there's it literally says they live happily ever after at the end as well and so it is it's like you got to just sort of buy into I mean, it's a little, it's all a little much. It's all, it's all a little obvious. It's, it's, it's like, it says, sorry, David, it says they live happily ever after at the end as they're floating on his baggage out into the open ocean again. Like, right. Oh, how long are they going to be happy? Or what does that even mean? They're just happy to be, you know, like it's the end of the fairy tale. They're happy that they, you know, whatever. Well, I'm sure we'll get to Well, you know, it's cute. I wonder, David, that's a, that's a really good point that you brought up, You that you want to see it go even further. I wonder if it went further for me, if I would have been able to accept it more, you know, because it feels right. like sort of, I guess, thinking about it that way, it sort of feels like maybe it's sort of a middle, more of a middle ground in that they could have pushed it way further on the fantastical side of it and and really made it more of, I don't want to say over the top, but just pushed it further. Maybe that would have changed my opinion, but yeah, maybe a little more weird, but like, I think, like, I think, cause it doesn't start. It doesn't feel like the first half of the movie doesn't feel that like weird to me. The second half does. So it, it just doesn't feel fluid. Like I, I just struggled with that, that transition. I understand the transition. I just, as a viewer, like it was, it was like a gear shift that didn't go all the way. Right. Okay. And that's yeah. fair. You know, like this movie has flaws. There's plenty of flaws in this movie, but Brand, what movie doesn't exactly right. But for me, I like the pace of, of how they roll out kind of the, 
yeah the fantastic kind of fantasy elements like you a know, slow like, slow roll and, and a build like well you were yeah saying, because a to me i related to him you know because it's a story about a guy who's afraid of dying coming to terms with his morality and facing death and being happy with the life that he had after after understanding that you know death is part of life right mm-hmm. and so to me it's it's all about him gaining more and more acceptance of that ultimate reality kind of coincides with how more and more kind of fantasy the elements start to start to get so mm-hmm. i mean like the very end is absolutely bonkers yes it is <laughs> which i know you don't like but well, can, we, can we get the latest uh david can you get an intern on the, the latest numbers on brain cloud uh yeah i'll, I'll go send bryce to go find shasta go send, yeah because they send can't Bryce to find shasta to go they can't use their cell phones on the lot as you know so no bands yeah so their their personal cell phones are banned so i'll, I'll just uh yeah bright yeah you got brain, it Bryce. okay brain right, brain cloud is a devastating disease that <laughs> is running rampant through the united states right now well you know <laughs> sadly not far off it's uh, like it was so ridiculous to me <laughs> that like he really? just fell for that like immediately but that's the that's again like it's you, you kind of have to just buy into it yeah like it's a fairy tale like you can't like what fairy tale are you watching where it's like everything works out like it would in a norm you've got to have you got to just go along with it you you know like i, I guess that was my no white is... walking through the woods and there's seven dwarves you know like i mean like <laughs> what, what i couldn't i couldn't See, it just didn't feel like a fairy. I know I hear what you're saying, and I, I get that, but like it didn't have the tone of a fairy tale for me. So I struggled with completely suspending my disbelief on stuff like that, especially when the open I don't know, when the opening is like so I don't know, like fairly real realistic portrayal. <laughs> Of, but uh, is it? Uh, no, but it's is not. It, I mean, it's everybody's so walking like in a, the office like, that's like zombies. A Tim Burton, like, that's well, a Tim look Burton around. Like, <laughs> it's very Tim Burton opening. Actually, the guy who designed that that the front of the building is the same guy who did the the design work for Beetlejuice. Oh well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So oh, it's shit. like it's absolutely like very Tim Burton esque, dark kind of a skewed kind of kind of look. And I mean, like, dude. Listen, Daddy Warbucks or whatever the guy's name is who comes in, Graymore or whatever. Great Grainamore. Grainmore. Like when he comes in, dude, he's like super Willy Wonka, like weird, mm-hmm. like magical guy just walks yeah, out of like nowhere, it's... offers him this an unbelievable thing. It's, yeah, I mean, I hear like it. It's not going to change the fact that it, it just like it didn't flow right to me. Like it just yeah. didn't feel right to me. I don't. That know. doesn't make it fact, John. That certainly <laughs> makes it opinion. <laughs> well, like in like just even that opening when then he's in the office and he we just watch him while Dana Day is on the phone just oh over and over repeating How the same thing. Awesome oh my god, is that it's that hilarious, just, just aggravating. And, he, uh, and it then, is, but how much is that shit for real? Like, yeah. dude. Yeah. What did he say? Point. He just keeps repeating. I'm the not same arguing. Thing. I'm not arguing oh, yeah. that with you. I'm not <laughs> arguing. You know, like, is he? Did he get the job? Can he get? I know the he job can do the he... job, but did he? Can't. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't get the job. Can he do the job? Over. Yeah. And over. 
And then, but then, like, he goes down that one corridor to get his coffee. And the design of that corridor yeah. seems fun. Like, it's surreal. It's weird. Forced perspective. It's, yeah, absolutely. Perspective. It's not like a real. So it's like immediately just telegraphing, like, hey, this is a, this is an exaggeration of everything. Like, this is, this is, this is deadly and it's horrible. And it's like, and it's, it's got a little bit of color with the Meg Ryan character, Dee Dee, mm-hmm. there, but like, it's a dead end, nothing. And like, what place looks like that they're they're doing medical equipment and it looks like a like the dirtiest dreariest factory that you yeah. ever see it's muddy and it's pale and so it's like none of this is you never medical equipment does not get designed and stored and and sent in a facility like that but it's like a it's just this prison it's this awful place to be that you know just supposed to pay the bills and the advertising department is is as dreary as the rest like is the factory and it's like it's advertising like that's supposed to be creative and it's supposed to be colorful and but just all of it is is deadening to the nerves so um yeah that that wasn't the lighting like a like a pale but almost kind of green absolutely yeah Yeah. absolutely kind of just supposed to be like puke green like just drab and terrible no sun nothing no no windows like they're in a dungeon it's uh so like that's a, I, I i think it's and it, it takes it's time i think it telegraphs everything that you need to know so it's I, yeah i don't know like it's 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 if you can't buy into it like yeah the, the movie is tough to tough to deal with I well think, but, yeah, yeah I, I think sure. i think that's that's kind of it is sort of i don't it's one of the maybe this is why the movie is so polarizing it's kind of like professional wrestling like you either like it or you don't like it it's very hard to like sort of yeah transition on this one that oh you get it now you like it now i i don't know it it just feels polarizing that way i don't know man i just yeah i that's but you've always liked it david you liked it and i I haven't liked it and none of us have changed our opinions i just feel like this movie has so much heart and so much like like so much to relate to in so many different ways. Like, sure, it's like super far-fetched and very like not rooted in in a lot of true reality, but like the characters, you know, like, I mean, how do you not, even though obviously Brain Cloud is like a total I, farce. Yeah. Like, how do you not root for for Joe, right? I mean, he's an ex-firefighter who was in a bad situation, scared the bejesus out of him. And he's like, kind of basically fell into his shell and got scared of living, decided to take a shitty job where he could just sit and ha- have it be as un or as safe as possible. But like, it is killing his soul, you know, like, I mean, I don't know. To to me, no, like I, and, and anybody, like I keep going back to it. Anybody who's had a crappy job, I yeah. feel like is like, yeah, dude, I want to go float on baggage in the ocean and have an adventure, like my last adventure of my life, you know. Like, but that's the thing. That's the whole deal. Is like, dude, enjoy those moments in your life because we can't control any of the shit, and you don't know when your last moment is. Sure. So like. Don't wait. Go grab your baggage, and and find your volcano to jump in, man. Like I don't like, I don't know. 
Yeah, no, me, like, and I think thematically all of that works and that's great and it's a great story, but the way it comes together and I'm not the I'm not the only one who feels this way. I mean, you look at just look at the numbers on it that it didn't resonate with people at the time and I don't think it's a movie that has over time like grown a whole I think there is a cult following for it, but it's the audience that has always loved it. I don't well, think it's I Maybe agree. It's... I don't I don't think there's been enough opportunity to reintroduce it to other audiences. And I think yeah. that it was completely poorly marketed. You know, like I think the thing is maybe that's point, it. Yeah. That you said early on is that it's not the movie you thought it was going to be. And I think right. a lot of people felt that. I think a lot of people thought it was going to be a more straightforward romantic comedy. And it was this very like, you know, roundabout way of of telling this story that like people didn't quite it didn't quite click, but I think mm -hmm. you'll find that, man, there's a, there might be people out there who feel the same way as you do. There's definitely people out there that enjoy it. And I think like, I wish more people had seen it and I wish more people were going out and trying to watch it now. Cause like, honestly, like, I think that this movie is, like I said, up front, it's way underrated and overlooked and it is honestly like it's one of my favorite hanks movies like by a lot for uh for some reason i used to think that joe dante maybe i was kind of mixing this up with the burbs but i thought for forever i've thought joe dante directed this movie and i was very who wrong who did yeah uh did. john patrick shanley, shanley directed this movie mm -hmm. uh so i guess let's sidestep for a second we'll talk yeah. about a little bit about the get back uh, on track a little bit yeah, well, that's all right. Um, John Patrick Shanley was a playwright who uh, his big claim to fame was he wrote Moonstruck, which right. was 87, 88. Um, yeah, it's the movie that he wrote right before they gave him this opportunity. Right. Well, th that probably got him this movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So you can uh, see elements of it in this movie. Like if you look at even Dee Dee the poster. And... Yeah, exactly. Like, oh. I mean, Dee Dee is straight out of like Moonstruck, you know, like that character. I haven't seen Moonstruck in a really, I think I've only seen it once. Um, it's been a really long time, uh, but that was a big awards, you know, Academy award movie for what, for share for, I think Nicholas Cage was nominated yep. Olympia Dukakis, I think won for it. And, and uh, did it win best picture? It was best picture also. I think it was nominated. I don't know yeah. if it won. Uh, we'll have an intern get on that too. get Shasta to, sidestep and she's uh, busy doing a poll <laughs> she's running around she's at building eight now i think that's what yeah. Bray said but uh yeah so john patrick shanley uh wrote and directed the film um let's talk about we're here to talk about tom hanks because it is thanksgiving after all mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and where so let's talk about what happened since the money pit where is where is tom hanks now he's had it feels like he had a lot of movies in the, the span of those four years absolutely i mean i think the i mean maybe this might not be true but i feel like the one that got him most acclaim between then and now was big yeah yeah um, you know, that was a huge, huge success that if he was on a trajectory leading up to big, that definitely solidified his mm -hmm. like foot footing, uh, as becoming kind of a, 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 
you know, a household name and recognizable bankable star. Yeah. Well, that was his, his transition to the A-list. I mean, it's that movie right there. So, you know, we talked a lot about uh, during our money pit episode that his career trajectory through the early eighties and money pit comes out was a hit Uh, right after that. We've got nothing in common, which is a really good, uh, film about with Jackie Gleason and it's about a father son relationship and their adult lives. Uh, another movie that I just recently saw on like late night TV called every time we say goodbye, not good, terrible movie, not good. <laughs> not okay. good. I don't think it was a big release either, but it's a very like sappy drama, you know, that was, I think maybe his first, Oh, well, nothing in common is kind of a drama, but, um, you can skip every time we say goodbye, <laughs> but then Dragnet comes out in 87 and that was a huge movie for me. I loved Dragnet yeah. when I was at that age. It was like Tom Hanks and Dragnet and Robert De Niro in Midnight Run were like the coolest guys in, in my eyes at the time. I really enjoyed Dragnet. <laughs> I've never seen Dragnet. Never. We were talking about it earlier. Uh, yeah. It, you know, I always associated dragnet with like the naked gun and i'm just i've mentioned it on the podcast before i'm just not a huge fan of like the kind of spoofy movies and i know that dragnet is i don't think dragnet is a spoof maybe it is but no not really but i've always associated it with naked gun because they were both tv series they were both and they came out loosely around the same time and so like i just never really felt super interested to to check it out so I have not. I was a big Dan Aykroyd fan at the time yeah. and him buddying up. I mean, that, the 80s was Aykroyd's peak, uh, you know, and, and Hank's playing the buddy cop to him and and sort of Aykroyd was a straight man and yep. and Hank's was kind of the wacky sidekick and it, and it really, I thought, worked great. I have not seen it in a long time, but I did just pick up the DVD that's got the money pit Dragnet and the Burbs all on it. Oh so, my God! Ooh, you got the, 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 the Hanks, yeah. and I got Hanks. it for let's just say not a lot of money. But <laughs> um, and uh, then uh, you know, Big comes out a huge, you know, Oscar friendly movie that really cements him that he's reached that A level uh, status. Uh, Penny Marshall uh, directed film, great, great movie, um, still solid today. Uh, punchline is next which is i think that's a it's sort of a drama about the the life of stand-up com- comedians yeah. uh yep. with him and sally field for the first time uh pairing up yeah. uh and then the burbs comes out which all three of us none of us are fans of the burbs and now that's a movie you talk about a cult following yeah we are in the vast minority because people love the burbs. I have heard podcast after podcast of just loving on the burbs and how great it is. And it's just one of the, I watched it a few years ago. I, I watched it twice a few years ago and I just, I just didn't get what the love was all about. It's another kind of just a bizarre, wacky movie. I, I have grown to like it more as I've gotten older, but I still, it's, I don't, it, I don't love it. You know, like I I really didn't like it when I first saw it. I was like, man, that's a big miss. Yeah. For me. Um, I think since I've gotten older, I've grown to understand like kind of 
dark satire and humor a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of maybe why it's gotten a little bit more watchable for me, but it's just not one that I really go to very often. I have not gone back to it. I'd be interested. To, again, I'm, I'm intrigued to see like what I would think of it. I don't know. But if it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, I've, you know, maybe maybe we do. Maybe maybe we put the burbs on the list next, for 2023. Next. The what next to Thanksgiving. What about 2022? <laughs> maybe. Maybe. I guess. Yeah. Like we, we could do to Thanksgiving. Are we not, are we not doing to Thanksgiving next? Well, next let's year? let's we got to work it out with Tom. OK, we'll see. Yeah. He's available. We're on a one-year contract, so uh, we will put a renewal clause in there. But um, yeah, and after the Burbs is uh, is Turner and Hooch, which was I think a big hit for him. So yeah. Um, yeah. you know some some big movies there, and uh, Turner and Hooch. I actually stayed away from that because you're a canine guy. Well, I just <laughs> I've heard about what happens, and I don't want to have my heart broken. So um, yeah. Well, well, you know, I mean, come on. The cycle of life continues. I was always so sensitive to like any animals dying. Not a fan of old yeller or where the red fern grows or anything like that. I can, I can handle it more now, but yeah, as a kid, oh boy, no. But all Uh, that's like leading to the year 1990 for Tom Hanks, which is. Which was a disastrous year uh, for him. That for Tom Hanks. Yeah, yeah. He had two movies come out Tell that me. year, which was uh, Joe versus the Volcano and Bonfire of the Vanities. Both of which, Brent, hold hold your argument for just a second. That while there may be people that love it, it was in the minority that they were not viewed as successful movies and kind of rattled him his career momentum that uh particularly a bonfire of the vanities i watched a few months ago and is a horrendous movie um yeah and that's a that's a big that was a big budget brian de palma directed bruce willis tom hanks uh um melanie griffiths starring you know big drama what's it about is it just like relationships no it's sort of (laughs) marriages um, Tom Hanks is a rich guy who gets uh, sort of caught up in a a murder connection and becomes sort of about the trial of this guy. And right. it's he Hanks specifically is completely miscast. He's oh, yeah. like it's just one of those. He never should have done that movie. Uh, it's just not him, you know, right. but I think at the time it's. It was a big deal. The movie it, was a big deal when it was huge. I deal. Mean, for yeah. sure. I remember people talking about it all the time. Yeah. I, and you know, it was, yeah, go ahead, Brent. Well, I was just going to say like, yeah, obviously I know that I know Joe versus the volcano did not like resonate with like uh, massive crowds, you know? Um, I think the reason the nineties were the 90 was so rough though, is it's the combination of both. Like I feel yeah, like exactly. if, yeah. if it was one or the other, like it wouldn't have been what it was. Although I will say it led to a mighty triumphant comeback. Yeah, it did. Because yeah. his next like big role that he lands, which I'm sure we'll mention in two seconds, was an awesome like adi- like coming out, you yeah. know? Yeah. Which you guys have done a podcast on. 
exactly. He uh, he takes two years off after Bonfire and kind of has to hit the reset button. And I think it was probably a big period of adjustment of like how you handle all that negative feedback and all those those misses. So he's had such a string of hits or mostly hits or ones you could kind of walk away from. But Bonfire was, you know, a real tough one, especially right on the heels of Joe versus Volcano. Uh, but it's a league of their own. Uh, great, great supporting performance in that movie, which we covered in the archives. You can hear that at www.reconsimation.com. Uh, that was back in year one, right, David? That was uh, when it was just like... the two of us. Yeah. Oh, wait. So we've had Hanks on the podcast. <laughs> Hanks has made an appearance on the podcast, although we didn't really dive too deep into him on that one. So, right um yeah because he's not you know yeah he's it's an ensemble movie and i'm sure we we said a lot of nice things about his performance but there's only so much room in uh in that kind of thing so yeah uh i remember that it was great what a great movie yeah Uh, Uh, and and that leads to you know after that he's on fire and this is the tom hanks the the post league of their own is the tom hanks we know today with Oh, with Philadelphia, Forrest Gump, Apollo 13. It was like every year, just big movie hit after hit after hit Oscar nominations, like left and right. Um, and now he's the sort of icon that he is. I think, I think his manager or publicist or whoever, like lined it up perfect for him in 92 to like really come back. Right. Because honestly it, it was radio flyer. Right. Where With he just has a small role, right? just an itty bitty small role. But it reminded people about Tom Hanks. They're like, oh, it's Tom. I remember you. Yeah. Then he came back with League of Their Own, where he's not really the star. And he's a guy, he's a grumpy ass who's just like, you know, obviously been beaten up by life a little bit. True to what had happened to him in mm-hmm. 90. Right. And then Sleepless in Seattle, which is like, right. Again, yeah. what put him right back in with like being that relatable, you know, person that the everyman like kind of kind of mm-hmm. role, right? And then it's like, yeah, then he does Philadelphia and Forrest Gump and those. I mean, like back to back a, best Oscar is best a good year for him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, lots of big movies after that, and and you mentioned Sleepless in Seattle and Joe versus the Volcano is of course the first of the Meg Ryan Tom Hanks trilogy. Yes. If only there were, if only there were a linked trilogy, maybe that would change my opinion too. (laughs) But yeah, with what sleepless and, and then you've got mail in 98. Yeah. Which is, I think I just watched that one recently too. And uh, that one just hasn't aged as well as sleepless is sort of like almost like a timeless movie. Whereas you've got mail is a little dated. Yeah, you've got uh, yeah you I, I just the you've got mail thing. It's like yeah, automatically doesn't like, doesn't hit. 90s. Yeah, it's not it's not. Uh, I didn't really love that one much either. Saw that, saw that in the theater. Saw in the theater. Saw sleep. Same here. The theater. Yeah, I'm seeing Hanks and Ryan all the time. Yeah. Oh, they were dude. They're an awesome combo. Well, and that was one thing that came out of this movie is is that chemistry and i think that's something that you know i'm i'm on your team with that like their chemistry really works yeah uh, you can just feel it it's just a pair that feels like they should be together 
Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And that seed is planted right here with Joe versus Correct. the volcano. On that volcano <laughs> where they first say, I love you to each other, but the timing's just not right. It's a long, each movie, it's a long journey to those words. It is. But <laughs> worth, worth the fight. Although, you, yeah, you've got mail. I don't know those. Uh, but let's talk about Meg Ryan for a second. So, yeah. you know, today you kind of kind of forget about Meg Ryan. We really don't see her very often. I think, you know, I, I, her career kind of like took a real turn at some point in the 2000s that we just sort of stopped seeing her. Um, yeah. And I don't know if it was one of those situations of Hollywood sort of turning their its back on an actress as she gets to a certain age, which... We know that's a huge problem and, and has happened many, many times to people. Um, if they can't find those Meryl Streep kind of the right roles, uh, then, you know, they're sort of out and that's very unfortunate and wrong. But, um, but at this point, she was everywhere. I mean, she was huge in the late 80s and definitely through the 90s. Uh, you know, it started pretty much, I mean, she was around some TV in the early 80s but top gun was the first movie i remember seeing her in mm-hmm. um with a small role there i don't know if she's in the new top gun but we'll find out in a few months be super dope that would be cool <laughs> uh armed and dangerous i loved as a kid i don't you know i'd have to see how well it holds up now but uh co-starring with john candy and eugene levy that can't be wrong that can't be wrong <laughs> that's good stuff like, that's all win. That's those a are win. two people that's I would huge win. Want to spend the day with for sure. Yeah. Uh, Inner space. Inner space. I, I love Inner space. Hell on, yeah! That more was... Joe Dante. Yep. That more was that great. Place. Yeah, we should. We really should put Inner space on the list because I I haven't seen it in a long time, but I loved it. Um, yeah, we should do like Meg Ryan March or something. Meg or something. Meg March. You coined it. Meg Mega March. Mega March. <laughs> um, she, then she does doa and the the presidio with uh mark Harmon and and sean mm-hmm. sir sean connery mm-hmm. uh so turning a little more dramatic there but of course it's when harry met sally coming out in 1989 co-starring with billy crystal and and uh a huge huge movie one of the biggest romantic comedies out there to this day um and uh, and like an iconic scene, the scene in the restaurant between oh, yeah. the two of them. Absolutely. Um, it's also where she uh, first started working with Nora Ephron, who did mm-hmm. Sleepless and You've Got Mail. So, yeah, and, you know, that was the, the first movie set that I worked on was a Meg Ryan, Nora Ephron, a team up called Hanging Up. So nice. there you go. I have a big connection to them. One that they'll remember forever. I was going to R- say, if you R- call them- Nora. But nobody forgets. If you called Meg, would she uh, remember you? She would remember. She would. Oh, you were the guy. You were the one that brought me breakfast on those reshoots that we were. Yeah. You're the breakfast guy. Her. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'd have been so hungry without you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the uh, When Harry Met Sally, just enormous movie and all that kind of leading into this. So I think there is, Brand, I think you may have nailed it that the marketing of this movie was taking you in a different direction from what the movie really was. And maybe that's right. part of it. The trailers, the the posters didn't indicate the sort of um, 
the fairy tale aspect and the kind of wacky way that the yeah, story I mean, was dude, being this told. movie's bananas for yeah. sure. Like it's you, it's a like like the jump into the volcano. It's a huge leap of faith, man. Like you just got to kind of go with it and and ride it out and see where it takes you. But if you if you walk in with some kind of perception of what you think it's going to be, like it's not going to be it because it's not like anything else that you've ever seen. Like it's a it's a hundred percent unique mm-hmm. up to this point. And yeah. maybe it's that 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 for me personally, like I definitely was locked into that expectation the first viewing of it and maybe i'm still sort of locked into those memories because dude you gotta let it go you're gonna I know, like it so maybe, much better yeah. if you just go with it um but yeah uh julia roberts was apparently almost cast in this role hmm. now tom hanks and julia roberts i feel oh they've done a couple of movies together i think Larry Crown. Yeah, Larry right. Crown. Larry Crown. And um she wasn't in Charlie Wilson's War, right? No, well, I, th- I think that's it. Wasn't she? Yeah, so they would end up working together, but probably at the time uh this is right before I, I think right before Pretty, Pretty Woman, Woman comes out. So yeah. I think uh, I think the right choice was made here. Meg Ryan is uh at this point in time was a better fit for him. Well, right, because what Julia Roberts up to this point, it was like Steel Magnolias and Mystic Pizza. Yeah, like those are yep. probably the two biggest. Yeah, I think. Yeah, uh, prior to Pretty Woman, yes, those are the two. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, you got Meg Ryan flying high off the success of When Harry Met Sally, which was a huge, like, romantic comedy. Yeah, I mean, I guess you know it would have been interesting to see like. You know, and just doing our what if game of recasting this, we talked about in our Money Pit episode. What if this was? Uh, could you see Michael Douglas and, and Kathleen Turner in these roles? In this one, no, no, you don't think so at all. No, I think this one calls for the. You know, like you need kind of people that aren't your necessarily your stereotypical leading actors right yeah. like you need yeah. they have to Hanks be a look- more every man than than douglas right. you know what about if you threw a kurt russell kim cattrall reunion here do you see cattrall doing three roles i mean i think i think kurt's we can see too, kurt doing anything kurt's too, but- kurt's too dreamy man kurt's too dreamy. you can't you can't you can't he's do got it. those cheeks and that chin i could see andrew mccarthy in this Oh, McCarthy Cattrall, a mannequin reunion? I'd do a mannequin reunion. Oh, that's a that's a genius idea. <laughs> I I'm pretty happy with who they got. Oh no, I'm <laughs> I you know I could I could see other versions of it, but this is yeah. this is the one. Yeah. Well, and knowing where it goes for them, because you know, like you said, like this really does start the whole, you know, Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks movie trilogy you know i mean i feel like i mean even though you've got mm-hmm. mail is not like anything that like really stands up great when you when you take all three of the movies and watch them like they're an endearing kind of like couple mm-hmm. through, yeah. you know through through all of it like i i looked forward to a meg ryan tom hanks movie you know yeah you want to you know you're you're rooting for them you want to see them they look good together you want to see them end up together right yeah. 
Get those kids. Those kids belong together. And I love her those in this. Crazy kids. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's great. I'm glad that she gets to play three characters. They're all very different. You know, I think I think it's awesome that I mean she never really got another chance to do anything like that. So no, this, this role is, had to be pretty yeah. pretty fun for her, you know. Yeah, this this gave her a chance to really uh stretch a little bit as an actress. And I don't know, the the second character, the 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 half was it the half sister? Mm-hmm. Um was Angelica. Angelica was a little kind of bumped me a little bit a little too much yeah but i mean like i think the overall like thing with her having the three characters is that it's kind of a mythological thing right like the three mm-hmm. goddesses you have like kind yeah. of the maiden which is Dee, Dee. you have the crone which is angelica and then the mother which is which is uh patricia right yeah and it's mm-hmm. like you kind of need the crone to be someone who's a little bit kind of like just there serving a purpose of, of getting you from point A to point B. And I don't know, I like the character a little bit because when you take the whole arc of, of Joe's journey between the the three women, you know, it's up the, the Angelica part is opposite than the DD part, right? Mm -hmm. Like they DD and Joe, they go on a date, he they're they're hitting it off it's all great they're like you know he he tells her what's happening and she gets very closed off and scared and wants to go and i feel like since this is a journey for him about learning about life and and loss and and everything like the next time he meets a woman that is you know that he connects with like he serves the opposite purpose right like he's kind of a rock for her like she's she's obviously a person who has everything kind of handed to her, but still is not content with what's going on in her life and feels very much like she's not like an individual. She kind of offers to him to say, Hey, do you want me to go up to your room? And he's like, no, uh, let's not do that. You know, because the whole conversation is not about him trying to sleep with her or anything like that, but like him actually being a good person and listening to what she has to say and trying to give her advice. And, when you see her say goodbye to him on the dock, like you get a sense from how she's waving and walking away that she did actually take something significant away from their time together. And that would have been completely ruined and thrown away if you'd have turned it into some kind of physical mm-hmm. interaction instead of just like having an emotional interaction and a human interaction. And so uh, although the character I get, you know, I'm a flippity gibbet and it's like kind of a, uh, there's super, that word, super stereotypical, like kind of combination of, of, you know, types of, of, you know, kind of stereotypes anyway, it, it might not work, but I do like kind of the arc between all three of them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. There's a purpose. I, I, I did sort of like the, you know, he's looking for that woman and, you know, he's just he's running into like what the, the, the wrong fit, you know, over and over. And then he finally finds the right one. Right. And having the same also, actress play it was was a was I, I, I was OK with that. Yeah. Which is awesome because you can see like there's there's a moment on the boat, right, where she's like saying goodnight to him and 
he's just trying to read. It's before he falls asleep, before the storm and everything. And she says as much. And I mean, it, it, it brings it all back full circle that, you know, the reason she was mean to him and saying the things that she was saying and the way she, the reason she's being honest with him now is because she's soul sick, just like he was, right? Like he is also soul sick, you know, at the beginning of the show. And it's like, it's not just a journey for him at that point. Like they're mm-hmm. kind of on this journey together, even though they're where they came from are different places. Like they're, they're both looking kind of for the same, the same thing, some kind of fulfillment to, to fix that, that sadness. Right. And I think mm-hmm. it's great. Well, she, yeah. I mean, we, we just got a taste of her own, like, like sort of adventure and journey and fairy tale that's going on, you know, like he does get enough time with each of her characters to, to really explore where they're coming from. Like, and I, you know, so in this fairy tale, that's you know, very truncated relationships and all of that. So even at the very, at the end where she just proclaims her love for him and he does the same. And it's just like, that's, you know, you don't, you don't need to take weeks of dating and, uh, and, you know, months of a relationship to fall in love. Like, you know, they, they, they're exactly like the, they're exactly the person each of them needed in their lives at like the exact time. And it isn't the, it isn't about the boat that, you know, that's going to give her the fulfillment. Like she wants to get the boat. Like that's her goal that she's doing this so she can get, get the boat and that will set her free. And then, you know, he's, He's just trying to make his life mean something. Um, So he'll throw himself into a volcano. And it turns out it's like, you know, it's fulfilling life is, is, uh, you know, other people, you know, so they found each other kind of thing. Like they luckily did that, you know, that's so among all the other themes of, of what's going on, it's like they, they are exactly the, the right, the right puzzle piece in their, you know, and, in the picture that they're uh, this is a terrible analogy so they're exactly who they <laughs> need to be for each other i don't know so i kind of like that in that fairy tale way one of the things that bothered me watching it this time was how long it took like it's like it's like 45 minutes or something before we even get to like the boat and there's, I don't even see a freaking volcano until almost the very end of the movie. You're obviously not looking at his lamp when he has it on his desk because it's <laughs> no, right there the up lamp. the front. You're right. So you've just been waiting for the volcano all this time. I want to like, see. Where's I, the volcano? You guys know I'm a volcano buff. You're right? nuts. You're nuts for volcanoes. I'm nuts for volcanoes, and uh, I want to see Tom Hanks like fist fighting a volcano. And I didn't get that till right at the end. I'm curious what the name, what the other names of this movie was, because I have a feeling this was not the script. This was not. But this was not title. the. This isn't the working title. Again, like part it of that be. maybe could misleading, be. you know, marketing of like what right. is this the best title for the movie? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it I certainly mean, stands out. It's certainly an interesting movie title, but it doesn't tell you anything. I'll, yeah, the pacing is a little like, I mean, it's it's a little drawn out for sure. Like they could be a little bit quicker. But again, like I like all the little moments, you know, like I'm not bored at any moment as we're leading up to being on the boat. I'm certainly not bored of like the time after the boat has sunk and we're waiting to get to the volcano. Like I think that that part, like when he's floating on the luggage is... Mm-hmm super fun and like 
I like that we get to see it all come full circle to his like shopping montage and he uses all the different shit that he random crap that he bought that you never thought he would ever need you know Mm -hmm. like none of that bothers me in any way so I, I agree that the pacing seems strange just because like there's typically three acts in a movie and I feel like the first two acts are much longer than the third act because the third act I'm just considering being on the on the island at the volcano and that is short like there's not a lot to it I think it's the last like 15 20 minutes of the movie yeah it is yeah and everything else is is longer but I think that's also where you're getting like a true feel for who he is and and what it took for him to make that transition right like from from sure. fearing death to accepting death and and you know being yeah. willing being willing to take that leap of faith yeah i don't i don't disagree with that i don't i don't disagree with that i think i think you covered it <laughs> um i think thematically i what I liked as a conceptually for this movie that it's like Romeo and Juliet meets Robinson Crusoe meets the Odyssey that you've got elements of all of those things. But, you know, I just keep going back to like for it not feeling fluid for me. I actually feel like this would be a great book that it like a real, and you can just expand it and then you don't have to worry about the timeline of it all and how quickly are we getting to the, to the boat and progressing the story along that you could really like drag out the opening and then the middle, the transition period, and then the whole adventure on the Island. Um, but as a film, I think it needs, it needed to get moving faster than it did. It makes sense. I get it that like of why it worked out that way. I think just for entertainment purposes, um, it would have helped to move along quicker. Yeah, I could see that. I get yeah, it. I mean, again, the pacing is a little off for sure. Like the whole, I definitely read that book though. Yeah, I think it'd be a great, <laughs> amazing book. But uh, I don't know the whole like shopping thing and all that to me adds to his character and it makes sense for his journey as a movie. I don't know if you need that entire sequence. I don't know. I mean, I think that it starts the, I mean, I think it starts part of the transition for him, right? Sure. It does. It definitely does. It's like, it's like the clothes make the man and like, Oh, you're starting to come into focus, you know? And it's like, you know, I think those are important little lines in there that help solidify kind of that we're trying to find, he's trying to find who he is. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't, he's lost himself somewhere and he needs to to find himself again, right? Yeah. yeah. And I think that that, you know, in, in, in kind of the hero's journey philosophy of, of storytelling, like you need that kind of mentor or, or, um, you know, helper mm-hmm. to, to kind of guide you, like give you a direction to follow, to help you get started. And, um, 
you know, without that shopping scene, I, I don't know that we necessarily have an opportunity for that. I think when he gets, I mean, when he gets the steamer trunk, I think like, I mean, like that character to introduce him to it was like, obviously like a big character and then sort of giving him sort of a, sort of a philosophy of living. And then I think when they go to the wide, like, I think the floor tile, it, it looks like a compass or something. And it's pointing directly north toward the steamer trunks that are secretly revealed or something like that. So it's just like, again, like just sort of heavy handed, but well done kind of imagery to like, yeah, push you toward like his journey continues, you know, like he, well, and it's like, I love that. And it's his baggage. You know what I mean? Like that, yeah. that's another theme throughout the entire mm-hmm entire movie is like it's he's dragging all this baggage with him all the time no Mm -hmm. matter what like everywhere it's Mm -hmm. awkward and it sucks just like being human you have baggage and you can't get away from it but you got to just learn how to live with it right and so you know like every moment (laughs) that baggage is with him even when he's getting his ass beat on the on the island getting you know his his pseudo pampering before before they cut to the shot specifically so you see them pulling his baggage onto the island yep. and everybody's laughing at him even the duck that's sitting on top of the baggage is is laughing at him right mm-hmm. and the duck is another thing that's like kind of a theme throughout the movie like there's a, so many different themes to circle back to that real quick because I, I the duck is if you look behind him in the doctor's office at the beginning there's a duck on the mantle right next to the clock Ah. which is like basically saying the doctor's a quack. Mm. There's, there's, there's the, uh, again, the Lloyd Bridges character that has the duck on the end of his cane. Right. right. And then there's the laughing duck at the end when his baggage is getting oh, shit. pulled in. I mean, dude, there's so oh, many different, dang. like what a brilliant like, screenplay <laughs> things this is in this everywhere. Like, I, I love mean, this. I love there's really so more. many details to this that like, I just feel like, people don't aren't picking up on them but like dude this movie has so much depth to it it is it's pretty incredible yeah. really. I, but, but that's that's the problem well no i think all of that is great and i think you nailed you nailed it but why do people not connect to like why do people not see that there's something about it that and it's hard to pinpoint what sure. it is of of why People... Not enough people are hearing that they need to watch the movie. Like you're talking about a movie that was made in 19, what, 87, 80. Well, yeah. shot in 89 came out in 90, came out in 90. Like, dude, it's 2021. That's 31 years ago. Don't tell, not in my heart, not in my head, not in, not in your heart, not in my heart, but <laughs> nonetheless, like, and it wasn't well received when it first came out, yeah. you know, like, I mean, it just not enough people saw it. It's out of people's mine but the reality yeah. dude like if people had seen it and and it wasn't it was marketed to the wrong group of people right and the wrong group of people saw it you know they were expecting something different and and it missed like it the audience that did see it missed it because it's not the type of movie that mm-hmm that they were expecting to see. But like, if you go back and rewatch, this movie has so much rewatchability. There's like so many different things that you pick up on that are just like, how did I not see that before? Like, it's just, it's a lot of fun. Like this yeah. movie, like in every level is just like a, a kick to watch. And I feel like the worst part of this movie is the last 20 minutes. 
Yeah. So like you're saying you want to yeah. get to the volcano quicker and all that stuff. And I'm like, that's when the movie gets kind of like, I'm glad it happens. Like it needs to happen. Like it, it puts a nice little button on everything so that we can get to the, they lived happily ever after. But really for me, it's like the first two acts, which are longer are so much more important. And there's so much more heart and depth in those than, than what we see at the, at the conclusion that like, I would rather sit through another hour of that than, than spend any more time on the, on, on the Island. The, I think the, well, we've already covered it, that the market, the, the marketing yeah, yeah, being I the know. problem, but the, the going back to the title, the, just putting the volcano in the title creates the expectation and it creates something that you are waiting for this whole movie and not realizing that it's not about that. It's about something else is maybe the, maybe the subtle element of what throws people off about what, when they're walking into this movie that, you know, like, okay, there's a vol like whatever the volcano is, you know, it's an element from as soon as we meet Lloyd Bridges. Um, but it's, a, it's again, it's a metaphor, right? Like, well, the volcano right, right. Is, I mean, like, First of all, Joe versus the Volcano. If you're going to see a movie called Joe versus the Volcano, I feel like you should understand that you're about to go see something that is absurd, right? Like, and then the Volcano represents death, right? Like, I mean, it is his mm -hmm. death. And the entire movie is about Joe getting comfortable with death. Throughout the course of the movie, the timeline for his death, like, changes dramatically, right? Mm -hmm. Like, at the very beginning, he thinks he's dying the whole time, but there's nothing wrong with him, right? Right. Then once he finds out that there is something wrong, he's got this brain cloud. He thinks he has like five months. Then he gets asked, hey, you're going to die anyway. How about you take this, this trip? It's going to be like three weeks. You'll enjoy your life that you have, but you're going to jump in this volcano. Then he goes on the ship and it gets struck by lightning. And it, now he's got like 15 minutes before he dies or, or you know, like three days before he dies of, of you know, like, the elements, right? Like no water and, and all this shit. And he's finally at that moment, like in front of the moon, he's like, I accept my life for what it was. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know? And he's mm -hmm. like, I'm cool with it. And from that point on, he's like, I got to do this. Like I, I, I get it now. And like, there's no turning back. That's why like when he gets to the Island and it's ridiculous, and they fall in love. He's not like, oh, you love me? I'm out. He's like, no, I said I was going to do this. I need to go out like a man. He even says that. And it's like, you know, he I think that line is kind of weird. But nonetheless, the point is that he has to follow through on what he's done. And he's come to terms with everything else, you know, and it's like that's Joe versus the volcano. Like you can't take it literal. It's not about right. nothing in this movie is literal, like. But you're not going to know that going into like no one's going to get that going into it. But that's the problem is like everybody back in 90 wanted yeah. to be spoon fed, whatever. That's what makes that's another thing that makes this movie great. Is it like you have to like give in, you yeah. know, like you have to just succumb to it and and not be spoon fed, like take the leaps, like don't expect the expected you know i, I don't mm -hmm. know like i think i like I this can, movie more now Jeez. I, I, talk, I think brent's doing a great job of uh of selling it where I were you talk about, where, where, where were you in 1990 
I was watching this in the theater and I'll tell you like, John, this, this runs deep, dude. You don't know this, but like in, in school, right. When we were at CSF, there was a, there was a class that we had to take. It was a one-on-one of some sort, a David Stout, something or other, mm-hmm. where we were working. One of the projects we had to do was do a uh, kind of like a, a video uh, self-portrait. Right? Oh God, I'm having you, traumatic memories. Do you yes. remember that? Yes. Do you remember like one of the shots in that video self-portrait was a close-up of ground level at the sidewalk of a flower sticking up from the ground and someone stepping on it. Mm-hmm. Totally an homage to Joe versus the volcano. Yep, there you go. Like, dude, this did- movie is like one of my favorites, man. Like for yeah. real. I could talk about it for a very long time, <laughs> which we've done. <laughs> I, I, I do really enjoy the academic talk of this. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I, I, uh, I shit. think you're bringing up a great side of it that very few people are probably get that and know that that's out there. So, those of you listening, give it a shot. Give it a give it a give it your own view and see if it works for you. If it doesn't. As a piece of art, it does. It goes. It goes the distance. I think. Right. I mean, it's, yeah. They didn't fall backwards into the imagery and the, the themes and all that. Like oh. you know, it's it's all purposeful. It's all there. And yeah, and, and for whatever reason, it didn't resonate with audiences. Um, but it, like, I mean, as you were sort of saying, people need to be spoon fed and all that. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, geez, yeah, this is this is really this is a really done well done movie. Geez. <laughs> Now I'm in. I think so. I mean, I I was already thumbs up on this, but geez. Let's 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 not ignore though. There's one element of of the movie that doesn't hold up, and it's hard to argue it. You're welcome to try. But I'm not going to argue it. I already know what you're going to say, and I agree. Like yeah, yeah, the the island, the islanders are poor. Like it's a bad decision. You know, like it's it it doesn't hold up in today's standards for sure. In the '90s, like it's not like it wasn't something that was being done in other movies as well. Like just kind of the the white man playing the, the, you know, whatever, you know, race uh, or race or whatever, you know, and it's bad. It doesn't hold up. It's not, you know, like it's, I mean, they try and like, well, and, and part of it is with, with some of the conversation that Meg Ryan has as Patricia on the boat, where she's talking about the history of the Wapani woo and, and where they come from so that you can get by with like Nathan Lane and Abe Vigoda playing yeah. the characters. But like the reality is that kind of stuff just isn't cool in yeah. today's, it wasn't cool then, but it happened and it's not cool now. And it should, it doesn't happen. People are more aware. Yeah. And, and I think that's one part putting aside all the thematic uh, walkthrough that you just gave us that, um, may resonate with people like this is one of those that's going to always be a problem for this movie or any movie that has done yeah. this where it's essentially blackface where and and because we know Nathan Lane so well now and and film fans know Abe Vigoda very well that they're so distinct actors that it's like that's a big yeah. like bump right there so yeah um it's certainly problematic. And I said it, this movie is definitely not perfect, but like it, it's like I said, it's got so much more depth than I think people realize. Yeah. Yeah. So um, <laughs> one other little thing that bothered me was like, 
her crew, Patricia's crew, yeah. uh, like yeah. just what totally to killed like, and yep. not oh, well. even a second thought. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, she is in a like whatever kind of concussion, concussion yeah. coma state for days. Yeah. You yeah. Know. Well, and it's, it's, uh, I guess similar, you know, this, this wouldn't be the last uh, Tom Hanks disaster movie mm. uh, stranded True. in the stranded. water. And nope. And in that movie, you know, you don't have a lot of time for looking back, I guess, at, uh, you know, anyone else. I'm sure that crew lived a good life up until then. They did their best. Uh, Yeah. And of course, Amanda Plummer with a a nice small role there. We'd see her again. Mm -hmm. And so I married an axe murderer Uh, and Pulp Fiction. And just, yeah, I was like, because it's her, I was like waiting for her to like pop back up somewhere. I know. Uh, I kind of was expecting them to like, hey, we survived and they rescue them from the island at the end or something. All right. Right. uh, You know, that didn't happen. Um, Yeah. And then the, you know, the wacky ending with the the volcano blast uh, blasting them back out. And, you know, I guess that for what you're saying, that's death rejecting. Right. Sort of like it's 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 I think what it means is that because he accepted it well you can't control you can't control things right like it, it, everything is going to be out of your control like you can mm. take your leap of faith but ultimately things are just going to happen that you can't predict mm-hmm. you know right. and you just got to again go with it and and carry on from there mm-hmm. yeah um yeah, I could see that. Having you guided guided us through the uh... hey man, <laughs> this debate has been brewing since 1997. Yeah, yeah, and and I also think there's a little bit at play of not just for this particular movie, but for movies in general. When you see and fall in love with a movie in your youth versus seeing it, you know, for the first time when you're older, there's certain movies that um, like the Goonies, Mm -hmm. like you need to have seen the Goonies when you were a kid, when you're seeing it for the first time as an adult, it's just not going to, yeah, not going to register. So I don't know. This movie may be something of, of like you needed to see it when it came out to, to get it. But now after our discussion, maybe, uh, maybe not. Yeah. I don't I, know about that. Yeah. Cause uh, you know, yeah, I don't think I agree with that. <laughs> I think, I think it worked. I think it really works like as an adult and it look it works differently that yeah. as an adult than I, as it did as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing. And as a surface level, there's not a lot to really enjoy, enjoy about as a kid. Like it's weird and it's a, it's, and it's, but I can't relate to the drudgery of work. Right. Right. And and not being in, you know, it's quirky and strange and different. Yeah. But but no, like as whimsical as, but for like a a cohesive story and, and as a piece of art and, and, and relatable, that's totally up. Yeah. Like now Mm. Goonies is like a, kids movie in a sense it's a you know it's a family film but it's a kids movie so kids seeing a kids movie when your kids is different than yeah watching a kids movie when you're an adult you know um even though there might be some even if you could relate in a sense of like oh yeah i kind of like lived like that as a kid in the 80s it doesn't hit unless you're like unless if you unless you were living it as a kid in the 80s and Mm -hmm. saw it 
So, but uh, that that's just how I see about this. Like, I don't, I don't know if this is. No, this is a way better film now as an adult than I thought as a kid. For sure. I mean, it just has such a different context, you know. Right. Like, so you know, I mean, yeah, I yeah. think you said it exactly right, dude. Yeah, like, yeah. It, yeah, this is good shit. It's good shit. <laughs> All right, well, let's uh, let's take a look at the box office. Let's see how we did uh, with box office glory. All right, so the budget was twenty five million. Oh, uh, yeah, twenty. That's hey, you got big names in this, and yeah, you've true. got Abe Vigoda. That's true. So, <laughs> facts. Uh, okay, it's uh, it opened up. Uh, March 9th, 1990, also at number two, kind of similar to The Money Pit, uh, against House Party 1 and Bad Influence, mm. starring Rob Lowe. So uh, that hey. was the competition there. It um, it opened up, it was sandwiched between number one was Hunt for Red October, which huge, big budget yeah. movie. Tough competition. Yeah, tough. And uh, And behind it was House Party. So uh yeah so a decent start a 9.2 million dollar opening that's pretty good that's tracking better than money pit was opening weekend uh but it only ended up with a 39.4 million domestic run so for a 25 million dollar budget um it's a significantly higher than money pit uh that gap is much much smaller so yeah yeah but that kind of box office trend right there just honestly just solidifies the whole thought that it was marketed incorrectly right yeah like opening weekend who's going to see it it's going to be the people that are date night looking for romantic comedy date night stuff Mm -hmm. and that's not what they got and so now they're telling their friends oh this is not the movie this isn't it was weird i I didn't like it it didn't make sense but you know but to, to make a quarter of its gross on opening weekend it had some legs I mean, this, this well, hung it's, in there. It, it's on opening weekend. It's going to come off of the star power. Right. You know? No, I know. But like it made 75% of its money over the corresponding, you know, 14 mm-hmm. weeks or whatever. Like, so it's still made enough money to kind of keep it going. Like the star power is still there. Um, That's not bad. I mean, you know, today, if you make 50% of your total budget or total uh, gross in the first weekend, like that's pretty good. <laughs> like, sure. To, to only make a quarter of it, that's great. That means this thing had this. There was a word of mouth. There was, there yeah, was, talk but I think, it. I think I, what you would expect having that big an opening is that, yeah. you know, because typically what's the drop off? It's like, you know, it could be 50, 20, 60%. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, but, but 25 but to 50 is like, I think it's kind of, I was going to say 30, you know, mm-hmm. like so. But that drop off is pretty significant from from that point forward, right? Yeah, I think it's it's running off of the star power of the two of them, and you're not getting a lot of repeat, you know, viewers yeah. in the theater. Whereas sure. you are for your Hunt for Red Octobers and your Home oh, yeah. Alones and your yeah, big yeah. movies of '90. So um, it ends up number thirty-two of nineteen ninety, sandwiched between Rocky Five and Postcards from the Edge. Nice. So, all right. Well, Rocky yeah. Five was a big deal. It was. Uh, it was also the the most disappointing of the Absolutely. entire franchise, for sure. Well, for good reason. Yeah, but, yeah. 
And Postcards but, from the Edge was like that was kind of a sweetheart. I mean, I mean, it's not a sweetheart movie, but that's the yeah, it's with uh, Meryl Streep and and Shirley MacLaine. Shirley MacLaine, right? The the story of Carrie Fisher's relationship with her mom, yeah. Debbie Reynolds, mm-hmm. at the time at least. So, uh, but yeah, so all right, where do you where do you guys put Joe versus the volcano in the works, <clears throat> the body of works of Tom Hanks? Where do you where top do you half. top half? He's been in a lot of movies. Yeah. Top half. Yeah, he has done a lot of movies. Would you um, would you put a top ten? Uh, no, nah, probably not. I don't know. Not me, but you know, it's great. It's a good movie. Brent would put. It, I'm get. Brent's gonna put it high. I I mean I I kind of alluded to it already, but like this <laughs> is like one of my favorite movies. Like this, I mean, just of all movies. <laughs> yeah. So so you know like it's it's probably in my top ten of like favorite oh, movies. Yeah. Uh, there's probably another Hanks movie in there. One that I think we're going to talk about uh, at some point. And so, but, but yeah, this is, I, I really, really like this movie. Like this is one of those movies that honestly, like if, if I'm feeling like it's like a, almost like a security blanket. If I'm feeling, if I'm feeling down or whatever, I'm like, let's put on Joe versus the book, you know, or nice. I definitely watch it once a year. Like I just, this movie hits a lot of boxes for me. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm with you, Brent. Cool. I get it. Well, I'll tell you, I'm going to now having, having gone through your analysis of it, I'm going to give it one more shot. I'm going to watch it one more time with that in mind. And maybe, maybe you'll fully flip me over to the uh, pro Joe side. I would like to hear what you think, but I <laughs> understand if you stand Pat, you gotta, you gotta look for the poetry of it. There's, there's a certain poetry to the, to the whole thing that, you know, you, yeah. Don't look for the volcano. Don't look. For the I volcano. was looking. You'll, volcano. you'll get it. You'll I get was it. At looking the end. Volcano all the way. So. <laughs> Where's the damn volcano? Uh, but yeah, what a what an interesting view back at Joe versus the volcano, and that's what we do here. We uh, <laughs> we we break down the movies we grew up with. So uh, yep. thank you, Brent, for for taking us through that journey. I'm happy we finally got to have this conversation, <laughs> um, and I'm right, glad well, we could do it on the podcast. Exactly. Yeah. Definitely go check out Joe versus the volcano. It's worth your hour and a half. Yeah, and if you want to hear uh, more of, of, of us talk more about Tom Hanks, you can check out The Money Pit or or uh, A League of Their Own in our archives at www.reconsidermation.com. Uh, we're going to have w- one more entry into Thanksgiving coming your way right before Thanksgiving. So <laughs> uh, stay tuned for that. It's going to be a fun episode. And uh quick uh as we wrap up a quick shout out and thank you to our friends uh we're gonna say hey to ek wimmer who did our theme music uh check out his podcast laser graves anywhere you get podcasts uh also our friend jay blake fashera with scored to death where he takes a look back at some of uh horror's uh greatest film scores with their their biggest composers so uh check that out and thank you curtis Moore, for the poster as usual don't forget to check us out on social media. We're Reconsideration Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff. 
and check us out anywhere you get your podcast. So uh, thank you guys, David, wh- where are you getting everything ready? We got one more, uh, one more little jaunt until the big holiday of Thanksgiving arrives. Yep. You ready for that? More decorations to come and more turkeys mm-hmm. and turduckins. I'm going to go for that. This <laughs> so time. many turduckins. Yeah. Uh, all right, guys, we'll stay tuned and we'll see you next time on Reconsidimation. Take care. Bye now. And watch out for that brain cloud. Thank <laughs> you.